Beats podcast. In this podcast, we connect with top business leaders, influencers, and experts to share their experiences and knowledge. These special guests will disrupt your thinking, proving that anything is possible, and help you on your own journey. And now, here's your host, Oliver Burton. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Informal Meet podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about bravery and doing what you love. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Lancashire himself. Oh, bless you. Richard Slater. How are you, Richard? You okay? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Good, thanks for coming. So, interestingly, Richard always tells everybody else's story. Today, I've nailed him down and got the exclusive Richard Slater story. So, just by background, very quickly, Richard is the founder of North Point Media Group, which contains Lancashire Business View, which you will all know, which was set up in 2005. He's also the founder of Limitless PR and Marketing, the founder of Fettle Events, and the founder of Red Rose Awards, and the founder of Some Lovely Children. Yeah, yeah, you know what? There's a thing about spreading yourself too thin, isn't there? <laughs> I'm not sure we want to go down that, that sowing your seed kind of line right now. So... I guess where I want to start, Richard, is not a lot of people will know what your background is and where you've come from. And I think really early on for you, you had a real big stint with IBS, didn't you? Blimey, yes, I did. Being the International Blues Service. Flipping heck, now we're digging into history. Yes, um, we don't mean I, I can be irritable and I can have some, some kind of syndrome, but the bit in the middle I've so far avoided. IBS, International Blues Services, yeah, we'll go right back to the early 90s with that. That, that was um, one of my earlier ventures in business, actually. It was an interesting project. We, with that, we, you know, it was built around me and a guy called Gary Hood. And Gary worked for Pendle Council at the time, and previously worked for Burnley Council. He was the man who invented the Burnley Blues Festival, subsequently the Rhythm and Blues Festival in Poland. These were massive events. They still are, just to some extent. And I was, at the time, writing music yeah. Uh, well, part of my job was to write about music and entertainment with the Lancashire Telegraph, as it's now known. And Gary just asked me, do you fancy getting involved in this? I'd already been promoting a few local acts yeah. on, on shows, and I, I, did, I got involved, and we got to work with some incredible performers, and we were doing, we were touring American blues acts around the UK and around Europe. Wow. We were putting on, uh, or at least we were staging festivals, we were providing the programmes for festival in places in the one ones that stand out for me are in Hootham, in Belgium, yeah. uh, wow. South Sea, mid twenties, right? Mid twenties, and I was working what an exciting with exciting life. Then it was, it was, it was exciting. I'm on the road with musicians that um, you know, for all right, not quite in the mainstream, but I suppose the big names would be, I think, the big names: Rory Gallagher, one of the yeah. old all time greats, the fabulous Thunderbirds, one of the all time greats, and we got a chance to work with these people, and it was fun. In terms of, it didn't work as a business in the end. We got a little bit caught out by exchange rates, if I'm being so honest. So did you set that up straight out of university? No, then? no, no. I'd, um, I'd, I, so after university, I think it was about a year out. And you're at Manchester, right? I went to Manchester. And then, so 85 to 88. Then for about a year, I bumbled around. And then I went for a job at the Lancashire Times. Arguably, people are saying you're still bumbling around. Well, that, that, that is my goal. <laughs> it's bumbling around, avoiding boredom and doing good you know, what I think are interesting things. Yeah. Getting get an opportunity to work yeah. in interesting ways. So music was a big part for you early on? It was. It always has been. Yeah. Um, from one of my very earliest memories is 
I can see it in my head. My mum, uh, my mum and dad are hairdressers near a uh, shop in uh, Basswell in Blackburn. And I just remember this album cover. I can still see it. It was Sheer Heart Attack by Queen. Right. And I remember saying to mum, wow, what's that? And it's just these four sweaty guys on the front of a record cover. Still going to say that's definitely my top five records of all time. And but, you've actually recreated or recreated, sorry, those four sweaty guys in your bands now, haven't you? As well, in, <laughs> in Blow Jangles, the reggae band, yeah. and the Flying Start. So you've carried that right through. Well, to be fair, so at school, <laughs> at, at school, sport was my dominant thing. Swimming was what I really did. But I started to get interested. In, you know, somebody had an electric guitar, and I just was obsessed with holding an electric guitar and plugging right. it in and hearing the racket that it made. And so I started playing, but I've always, you know, particularly then I was really obsessed about listening to new kinds of music. And then the opportunity to play it. And anyway, so we, we set up a band at school and we played three or four gigs and I really enjoyed it. And then when I got to university, I just took the guitar on the streets with a couple of friends and we used right. to go busking. It was way better than money than working in bars. Free X Factor or anything, that. We, we just, we, if, just think what, you, yeah, think what you could have been. My gosh, you're right. Oh, damn, I've missed my way. <laughs> you are, you are. But then that was good, but I didn't put my no guitar regrets. down. No. <laughs> so, um, but it was only five or six years ago I picked it up because my, one of my daughters is particularly very musical and, you know, you take them to music events and eventually start thinking, well, I'll have a go at this. And, and eventually, yeah, so five, six years ago, I started playing again and muscled my way into a couple of bands. And I love it. Absolutely love it. It's the greatest release I've ever had. The best hobby I've ever had. And I'm, I'm not sure, because Blow Jangles, mm. uh, which is your, your longest serving one, isn't it? Mm. It's probably reggae, isn't it? Reggae and ska. And I'd never played reggae or ska before. Right. Um, and that was really interesting. But, you know, that band, we were probably 35, 40 gigs a year. Right. And um, we get to play some amazing That's gigs. what you're still doing now, 35 yeah. gigs a year. Yeah, the, the, the last 12 months, I think we've done 35, 38 gigs with that band, yeah. which is not bad for a weekend band. No, and we no, get to so. play on some amazing stages and some festivals. So, shameless play. plug, you can hire Richard and his yeah, yeah. Jangles. Call me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Call on The me. other band is, um, that's more recent. That's a, a, um, a little bit more serious in some ways. It's, it's more um, particular in some ways, but it's, it's old-fashioned R&B, soul and funk. So, so but me, music being something you're really passionate about led you to Blanchard Telegraph and sports, which you were also passionate about, and that's what got you into journalism, was it? Well, mm, not really. No, it's more, it's a slightly different group, really. But I, I got the, the journalism gig in part because I wasn't sure what else I could do. I knew I was good at English. I knew I was good at writing. Yeah. And I'd, um, from about the age of 14 or 15, I would go, whenever I went to a gig, and literally any money I had went on records or concerts. Right. That's all I spent money on. What was your first ever LP? Oh, Mine was a specials, how um, fun. Well, that's, that's a great choice. I The first LP that made a big difference to me was one that was lent to me. Right. If I'm, if I'm ignoring the fact that, I, you know, the ones that were at home, which was the order Pink Floyd and Queen and yeah, yeah. that sort of 70s rock stuff at home. I think the one that, that was that opened my eyes to things was when uh, a swimming friend lent me an album called Setting Suns by right. the Jam. Yeah, nice. Uh, it's a cracking record. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a song on there called Smithers Jones, and I think I think it was written by Bruce Fox. Anyway, it wasn't written by Paul Weller. And it's the story of a guy who goes to work and gets maybe done at the end of a long career, and it's a sad, sad tale. But it was quite influential for me. Was that that was something that made me think. 
well, I don't want to be in that position. Yeah. And I think it, it's it simmered for a long time before I, I moved into some kind of self-employment. But um, yeah, that, that was the record, I think, that, right. that was, if not one of the one I first bought, it was the one that made a difference. Yeah. yeah. Right. If it makes you feel any better, my second one was Grandma, We Love You. So I, I think my taste went downhill very yeah. quickly. I'd stick with the specials. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. Says a lot about that. The specials are a big influence on Blowjangles. No specials, yeah. no Blowjangles. No, it couldn't really have happened without. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so into the journalism route then. So talk to us about your stint at the Telegraph very quickly. Yeah, so I, I joined in 89, uh, Lancashire Telegraph, and as a general news reporter, if I'm being honest, it wasn't my strength. The news reporting side of it wasn't really for me. But what I, what I did find a niche in was feature writing. Yeah. Uh, but I particularly liked it was interviewing celebrities and reviewing movies and reviewing the theatre and listening to records and going to gigs. So basically you wanted to live your social life through work. Correct. Uh, I wanted to do There's that. a theme through all of this, isn't there? If I could get paid for something that I was enjoying doing, <laughs> or something that, if I could get paid for something I'd otherwise buy a ticket for, then <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But I did, it was quite interesting. So I did, I did bounce around. It was the music stuff that, and the theatre stuff that I really liked doing. But I did drift into it as a favour to somebody. Somebody must have been ill. Would you do a match report on Burnley Football Club? Right. I've never done it before. Um, and I got asked to do some boxing. You know, would you do some yeah. a local fighter? I can't remember his name, but the local fighter. Would you go and watch him and do some sports reporting? And I did. I, I, quite, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't quite. I didn't find it that easy. You find that you're not watching it for enjoyment. You're watching it for. You've, to write you've got to keep your eyes open. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's hard. You know, to, working for Lancashire Telegraph wasn't so bad because I had the next day to write the piece, but that. Doing that gave me an opportunity to freelance sports writing, particularly football writing, yeah. to the, mostly to the independents and the independents on Sunday. Yeah. But, but I did bits and bobs for the tabloids and for other broadsheets as well. So that, that was freelance at the time as well, was it? Or was yeah, it? I, was, I was, I think I'd, yeah, when, by the time I was doing that, I'd finished, um, finished with the Lancashire Telegraph, because I, I got, I got um, brought into another business, which might not appear on my CV actually. Um, which was a um, record label. Right, so, no, I don't think that is. So the record company was called The Sticky Label, and it was housed at, um, it was owned by Mark Patry, who owns AMS Neve, still yeah, yeah. The, the, the world's finest music and uh, recording equipment and uh, mixing equipment over in Burnley. And he had this project, and literally asked me, would you come and do this for me? And so I went and ran this little record company, I wasn't very good at it, I don't think. I tried my best, but it wasn't it wasn't my passion. My passion wasn't selling records. My passion was putting on shows. Yeah, yeah. And um, a lot of the things that I learned then when I was putting on music shows, you can see translated into kind of events Lancashire Business Review runs yeah. now. There's a, um, a, the, the bigger end of our events problem. There's a lot of rock and roll feel. There's a lot yeah, of- there is. It's, it's designed to be theatrical and, and noisy. Yeah. In part because, well, because I'd been to enough events that I didn't like. Yeah. What kind of event would keep me engaged for six hours, maybe? Yeah. Well, I need some music, and I need some flashing light, and I need some fireworks. Um, perhaps it's just <laughs> and me. You've got all of those perhaps, perhaps, perhaps it's just me with a low yeah. boredom threshold. <laughs> I forgot where were we? Um, I got lost there, but um, it was your uh, your move. Oh, that was it. Working, so working on the record company, I did that for a couple of years. 
And then again, I'm not sure if this appears on my CV. After that, I did um, some teaching at Blackburn College. And it was yeah. when I made the transition from the record company to, the Black, to Blackburn College to do some teaching. That's when I went for the So at the start of every lecture, there was like lights flashing, or oh, yeah. fireworks when they walked in. Well, so there's another thing. So I, I did I did um, a teacher training course, um, very practical. It was a city and guild 730-7, uh, which I remember. And it was brilliant. I loved it. And a lot of the tricks I learned there and in the subsequent two or three years in a classroom, those techniques or those learnings that I made in those environments, those I use now on an almost daily basis in our smaller events. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, if we have 40, 50 people, our job is to engage them for that hour that they're sitting down, give them something that they want, entertain, uh, educate, and formulate. It's very wreathy. And if you can do it for kids, you can do it for adults. In broadly speaking, yeah. Broadly speaking, it's the same. It's the same idea. You've got to keep your eyes on the room. Kids You've are probably crueler. The, the kids were great, honestly. And and I look, I'm, I now bump into some of my former students. Yeah. We've got one, two, I think it's two or three of them working on Radio Lancashire. Right. Where one went on to be an MTV presenter. Wow. Really? Um, you know, there's, there's been some good media careers born out of that period of Blackburn College. Cool. So then, obviously massively involved in sport, uh, local lad, you then ended up being asked to ghostwrite Simon Garner. So for those who mm. don't remember or aren't old enough to remember Simon Garner. Simon Garner, Blackburn Rovers, all-time top scorer. Um, even now, even when you've got Shearer and Sutton and uh, more, all those big names that you can remember for Blackburn Rovers, Whenever there's a pole gun, who's the greatest rover? It's still Simon Garner. So how did you end up writing his autobiography? I rang him up and said, do you fancy doing a book? Right. Um, it wasn't quite like that. A friend of mine, um, Neil Brammer. Um, I was going to say, you still do that to people now. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I've got this great idea. Let me try it with you. Um, friend of mine, Neil Bramwell, who was uh, been writing, he's, he's Carl Fogarty's agent still, but he, will, he wrote Carl Fogarty's autobiography. He got offered... Simon Garner book, we didn't have time because he was doing another book. He asked me if I fancied doing it. That's how it started. I rang Simon, went down to see him uh, on the train, and I was nervous the whole way down about meeting Simon Garner. Was that because the trains were reliable, or was it because of meeting him? Simon Garner, man. Simon (laughs) Garner. I'd only watched him put five in against Derby. You know, he was an absolute hero to me and to everybody else. And I was going to go and meet him. And we did what he did. Many of the, the thoughts about Simon are absolutely correct. So I met him at the station. That he picked me up at the railway station. We went back to his house. Then we went to the pub. Then we got hammered. And I just set a tape rolling. Uh, I knew I wanted to get a chapter. That's what I've done with you today. Yeah, it is. For the, for, for the record, we've done half a bottle of whiskey it's just to get Richard speaking. That's all he's as well. And um, so we did. I tried to get my chapter there. And when I listened back to the tapes, few days later, it was just too drunk then. <laughs> but it was the start of something. We, we then plotted out what the book was going to be. And um, I, I, it was a, I wondered, you know, I got offered two other books after that, and I turned them both down because it hard work. Yeah. And Can you say they were Not desperately rewarding. Yeah, I got offered Sean Gota, yeah, yeah. the Man City player, and I got offered um, a biography of Jack Walker. Right, okay, that would have been an interesting one to write. Well, it would have been, and um, I was going to partner with another journalist. I didn't have time to do all of it, so the other journalist was going to do the research and I was going to do the writing. Yeah. 
um, but we couldn't get enough access to the club or the family, and I just felt it was going to be yeah, too hard. And, and the, uh, it, what, the book was written by Charlie. Forgive me, I forget Charlie's second name from, from the BBC, and he made a really good, really good job of it, better than I could have done. Cool. So rolling forward a little bit, we've, we've done some writing for the Independent and things as well. But let's get to the point where um, Lancashire Business View, mm-hmm. 2005, you take this brave decision that I'm fed up of doing this for everyone else, I'm going to do my own. Right, so that's 2005. That's right. We'll wheel back just a little, and we're going to wheel back to about 2000, 2001. By this point, I'd left the record company business, um, probably about 98, 99, and I'd started doing my college work. So college did was half my week, and the rest of the week was divvied up with doing Simon Garner book, working freelance for PR agency yeah. and working freelance for newspapers. So I had a portfolio which suited me. <coughs> Excuse me. And it kind of reflects everything I'd always done throughout my life. I always wanted to do try something else, things that are new, yeah. I find really exciting. Um, where were we? I forgot. I'm lost now. You were rolling back. Oh, yes, yeah, so I was rolling back. So I'm rolling back to, so I worked for um, Catalog Communications. Then I got offered a job with Scott Dawson Advertising, which still is there. And I went in there and I did a year with um, Scott Dawson and then set up my own little PR agency with the blessing of my former boss because it was a part competitive um, yeah. project. So we set up the, my first public relations business and that was doing really well. Uh, and then um, a very, very small micro business, but it felt good and I was enjoying myself. Uh, took on my first member of staff, yeah. which my wife tells me um, was... Oh, it wasn't your wife? No, 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 no. It was, that was the point at which I grew up, <laughs> Right. Okay. she thinks. And, and it's probably right. Does she agree that you have now or...? Well, to a... To, to a more so more as than you were. Yeah. But, but it was that idea of responsibility yeah. and having responsibility for somebody else's livelihood. Yeah, that made a big impact on me. Yeah, massively. Um, so th- that public relations business was rolling nicely. One of my clients at the time was the Chamber of Commerce East Lancashire. Yeah. And it was them who said, it was their suggestion, Lancashire Business View. And they suggested, we'd like a house magazine. And I said, I don't think that's what you need. If you want to get your message there, let me, I'll do an independent magazine. It has to be independent, yeah. but I'll need a little bit of help. And they were really helpful. They gave us a small sum to get us off the ground. Yeah. Um, because we lost money. You know, so it's a really expensive project, yeah. is a magazine. Um, and that was that was 2003, four of those conversations were taking place. Late 2004, I hired my editor, um, Andy Calvert, the late Andy Calvert, and Stephen Bolton, yeah. and I, he joined in November 2004, still with us, director of the business, and um, three months later we launched our first issue, March 2005, right. so wow. that's 15 years ago in a week. And again, was, just coming back to kind of the things we were talking about earlier, in terms of brave decision, you know it's going to be loss making, yeah. you know there isn't anything locally, so yeah. whilst you think there's a market, yeah. you don't quite know, do you, until... And nope. then you've got to try and sell advertising. Yep. And then you've got to get it through people's letterboxes. All that. And then you've... Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. When you look back... It's uh, it's a ridiculous <laughs> notion, really. And it did. It took an awful long time for us to uh, get, it, get it to a position where it was wiping its nose. Yeah. Um, but I just believed in it. Yeah. I just thought we can do this. We and and who is it? Obviously, you, you've got to have that self-belief. But who was believing in you at the time? Who would, because I still have my mentors now, yeah. 
that I go to who keep me true to me and can make sure, you know, that I'm, I'm on the right path. Um, who was doing that for you? A few people, I guess, informally. Um, Mike Gams was an important person yeah. to me. So Mike was at the chamber, wasn't he? Yeah, he was important to me. He was um, a good influence for me and somebody I could talk to. There have always been three or four people in my life who I've felt comfortable going to and asking questions, and they're still there. It's one of those ah moments. And yeah. Yeah, 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 but they're informal. They're not, these yeah. are not formal relationships. Yeah. I dare say one or two of them aren't quite aware of how I see our relationship because I've probably never articulated it. Right, okay. But it's just to me are massive, and I still have them with, with people. And I still think, and they can evolve, can't they? Find different people for different times and different... And they pop up all over the place, and yeah. you know, these people. And, and I think it's... As soon as you just think it's all in your own head, you're in a, you're in a difficult place because there's so much expertise yeah. and so much skill out there. I used, I used to drive people a little bit mad at work. It doesn't affect anymore, but it was... I didn't care where the expertise where it came from. If we didn't have the idea, let's go and buy it. Let's go and let's borrow it. it. Let's, yeah. wherever the expertise is to make our business better, we'll use it. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely right. So then, obviously LBV is um, the go-to magazine in the region, and in terms of your network and your connections now, well, yeah, you probably know most of the major businesses, all the professional services firms, your network now is just incredible, isn't it? And I bet sometimes you must look at your phone book and think, yeah, it is a funny thing, isn't it? Um, and Stephen and I, well, Stephen Bolton, my co-director and sales director, um, we sometimes pinch ourselves. You know, we get to talk to the most interesting people. We just, uh, best bit about my job, absolutely best bit about my job is wherever you are in a workplace, there's always a sign that says no entry, always. Yeah. Best bit about my job, we can go through those doors. In yeah. fact, we are invited yeah. Through those well, I've just done exactly that. Yeah. And you didn't even ask. I didn't even ask. <laughs> and, but there's nothing more. I find it fascinating. How do other people yeah. work? How do other people create work environments? That is hugely interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. So what I want to do then now is, obviously, way back in 2008, the economy hit a, a real, real low and mm -hmm. it hit a massive recession. Yet, as we're just coming out of recession in 2010, you're sat somewhere, probably over a pint, go, I know, I've got a great idea. While all the businesses are recovering from a recession, while cash is strapped and they're all trying to work their way out, I've got a great idea. Let's set up Lancashire's biggest awards. So again, when we say bravery, I think last time I said this to you, you said, oh, stupidity. Yeah. Clearly the bravery's come through. But what a brave, bold decision to make at that point in time. Well, it's very nice of you to say so. But there was a practical need as yeah. well. We got hit by the recession late at Lancashire Business Food. It hit us around about 20 on 2009 into 2010. It didn't hit us straight away. We thought we'd ridden it in, yeah. to a degree. What we didn't foresee was the, the fall off of our public sector clientele. Because yeah, the cuts that the public sector took were horrific, yeah, they were. In, you know, the austerity cuts. Mm. So we lost a lot of work there. We, we built a lot of it back up. Um, so there was a need, we needed to generate, if I'm being honest, we needed to generate some money into the business. Yeah. Um, and we also needed to get the Business View brand out into the whole 
all the corners of the county. We were yeah. strong in East Lancashire, we were strong in Greater Preston, but we weren't as strong in Lancaster, Blackpool, the west of the county. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we developed. I guess what was all Lancashire as a, as a geography. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We, had, we, had, we, were, we had to expand that. And so in 2000 and late 2009, we took the decision and there was already a big player in the market, which was the Beavers and, and still still is a big player as, a, as an awards event. Very different kind of project and we tried our best to make it as different as we could um, because we needed to. Yeah. We needed to draw space between us. But the, when we did that first event in 2010, we booked the Hilton in Blackpool, I think it's called yeah. the Grand Room. Remember? We booked the Hilton and literally we had to cancel it after two days uh, because we'd, we'd sold it out. We could not believe and it. And that just shows the demand was there, doesn't it? And there have been that many different events or awards yeah. through something. And this kind of just consolidated them all, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I think so. We started with 500 people yeah. for, yeah, 500, 550. We thought, we thought, you know, I think our promise to our sponsors was probably 250, 300. And we just blew it. Did you go back and ask for more money? Oh, what are you offering? What, well, <laughs> as this is our 10th year sponsoring it, no. No, no. But, you know, so we over-delivered against the promise, which was really helpful. Yeah. Um, but it took probably, it was year three until the, the event settled into what it was going to be, yeah. which was going to be, I, I tried to describe something, how, I tried to brief it as, it's school disco meets corporate networking event meets rock festival. That's kind of the atmosphere I want. Yeah. I want and I always have a focus at the Red Rose Awards. When we were visioning this. I've got to be honest, it doesn't remind me of my school discos, thankfully. You, you, you need to go, to, you should have gone to a different school. The, <laughs> we view, we, we, when, we, when we think about Red Rose Awards, we put ourselves in the seat, what we consider to be the worst seat in the house, you know, somewhere at the back, near the men's toilets, you know. And there might not be a winner on that table. And we go, you view it from that person's eyes. Yeah. We've got them for six or seven hours. They might not win. They're in a rubbish seat. No, it's not a rubbish seat. There's no rubbish seats, but you're, you're, they're not on the front. We can edit that bit out, don't we? Yeah, I'll leave it. <laughs> it's um, if that person can be entertained, yeah. if that person feels they've got a good night, that person and meets value, somebody new, and value, and value then we've won. Then yeah, we've fantastic. won. Not everybody can win an award, but we can try and ensure that everybody wins in some way, whether it's about meeting somebody new or forcing a new contact, whatever it is, or just having a great night out. But presumably, just rolling back again, right to the start of that, squeaky bum moments? Um, yeah, it was, it, there were some, there were some um, scary times, I guess, but it was, only, it was as, the, as we brought the, the, pro, the project management for the first two years, we put out a house and then we brought it in-house. We, we, we thought we could do it, combining yeah. my skills um, in sort of rock and roll promotion with um, other skills in you know, school fairs, or literally that's, we, we saw we could make yeah. a mix of these skills. Yeah. We took it on ourselves, and that's when it became, what I think it become, became known for, which is noise, lies, budgets went, you know, we pushed the budgets yeah. right up, and the budgets as high as they've ever been now for this event. Okay. I want people back next year. Yeah. The first rule of a big event is legacy. We've got to put on a show that brings Absolutely. the sponsors back next year and brings back the contestants yeah. to have another go at it. Absolutely. That's our, that's our well, <clears throat> I guess the irony in it as well, the Red Rose Awards is an award-winning awards. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, we won, I think it was 2014, 15, somewhere, somewhere around there, we won the National um, Awards Event Awards at the National Events Awards 
No, weird that, isn't it? It's a big, big trophy, that, <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a massive field. <laughs> to, to get it all off. But we did win, you know, we jointly won that with NMA, Musical Express, yeah, yeah. and theirs was a split-side event in London and Seattle. And yeah, we, wow. we, we got joint winners of that prize. Wow. That was spectacular. And there's what a rocker when you've seen that as well. Well, you know, it did feel kind of good. Yeah, but it, it did feel kind of good. I bet it did. So, I guess, just evolving slightly... I bet I could sit here now and say a phrase. I, I like being with you because I can play Richard Slater bingo. Yeah, you can, I can tick things off that, um, that you're saying. And I have this vision, as others probably do, where you sit around the dinner table on an evening with your family and you're looking at the plate of food in front of you and you're saying, can I eat this? Did I buy it in Lancashire? Is this duck, assuming you have duck on a Tuesday night, is this duck from Goosner? Yeah. Where are these potatoes from? Yeah. Where did we source this wine? Because if you can buy it in Lancashire, Richard, you, you can like you, you can buy it in Lancashire. <laughs> yes, it's, it's it's funny you mention so that. So people are sat in the cars or wherever listening to this now, chanting you going, "How long did this take?" And then you sit there and you say, "Before we start eating, can we say grace?" And at that point, you get your whole family banging the table to bring back a billion, bring back a billion. It's funny you say that. That's twice I've said that. That's exactly what it's like at our house. <laughs> Okay, so I think, yeah, it, it is, it's a really good phrase. If you, I came up with it by accident. It was, it was a Twitter message right. that was, uh, I'd written this thing on Twitter for the Red Rose Awards, and it was, if you can buy it in Lancashire, you should, or something like that. Yeah. And I just, re, I just refined it, and I, and I really like this phrase, if you can buy it in Lancashire, comma, buy it in Lancashire. Yeah. And what I'm saying there is really straightforward. I genuinely think that every service, every professional service, yeah. every manufacturing service, anything you need to start, I'm just, I'm just drifting into spiel here, so apologies, but this is how I say it, everything you need to start, grow, develop, and ultimately sell a business yeah. is available to you in this county. And I'm also saying is, why not try and buy something from your neighbour? If Absolutely. you buy from your neighbour, your neighbour might well buy from you. Um, and so, but I'm not being daft about this. I don't, want, I don't want to get too obsessive. If you can't secure in Lancashire what you need at a price that is right, mm -hmm. then either persuade that Lancashire supplier to change their price or buy it elsewhere. Yes, it's, not, it's not an absolute obsession. It, it's, it's, a, it's a way of thinking about things. Yeah, and right. and it's, it's built around you know, the, the Preston model of, yeah. of procurement. Yeah. And it's you know, the, the six or seven public sector um, organisations in the Preston area five or six years ago, took the decision to buy things more locally. And it's hundreds of millions of pounds have been Absolutely. spent in the county that otherwise would have spent out of the So country. the two things are linked, aren't they? You bring back a billion yeah. and, and yeah. the two together. So you've got that big public sector push from Preston City, we're doing it to the business community. And then there's another le level of this, which is shop local. Yeah, there's absolutely. that shop local movement. Absolutely. And I, I see it as part of that. Um, we're not we're not really doing the retail story. We're really doing the B two B story. Mm -hmm. um, Preston City Councils is, is doing the public sector story. So there are a number of us in that area, um, all pushing. You know, we don't make money out of it. It's just what we. And for think those people that have already pledged, how much is estimated to have already come back since? So on our campaign, um, there's about hundred. 40 businesses or thereabouts that have pledged the campaign and, and their, their combined turnover, turnover is somewhere um, north of 200 million. 
what they've said, what they've pledged to do is commit an additional 5%, or commit 5% that would have been spent out of Lancashire to be spent into, in Lancashire. So 5% of that 200 million is, is 10 million or thereabouts. So we think it's somewhere between 10 and 15 million wow. that we've persuaded people to spend in Lancashire. Yeah. So just, just by having a look. Just by asking. Literally just by asking. Yeah. And there's some really great, simple examples. And with that, they can then buy a table at the Red Rose Awards. Well, do you know what? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, conscious of time, um, a few things really. Whilst, for me, and we said this before we even started recording today, I love sitting down with Richard because I always know we're going to have fun and have a laugh at the same time. Um, and one of Richard's big things is about bringing people together, making a difference. What we've not even had a chance to talk about is Richard's non-exec roles in these charity roles as well. And if you want to explore those further with Richard, then uh, obviously pick up with him. But that's a fantastic give back as well. Last few questions. Mm -hmm. First one, what was your biggest challenge? Uh, I think making a success of Lancashire Business View. Um, but nothing of value is, is easy, ever, yeah. is it? So my next one is biggest achievement. Does that interlink with the same thing, or is that... This is going to sound, or... this is perhaps going to sound a bit washy, and it, it doesn't... I know I should answer this question in a different way. I should answer it by saying, by being, you know, by thrusting forward with this great plan for Lancashire and being part of the, the Lancashire story. But Just for those listening, his arms are now swinging around <laughs> in the air and he's doing Danny, Danny, the, Danny the champion of the world. <laughs> but in a sense, it's 15, 15 years of independent publishing. Yeah. We're still in the market. In, yeah. in that 15, and in print. And in print, uh, and online, and on social, yeah. but and in print. It's in print. Nothing, nothing, I find nothing more attractive than the smell of fresh print. But being here, to be still doing it after 15 years, in that period we've had something like 12 entrants into this market spot, into this, yeah. into this space. They're not here anymore. Um, we, we do stuff because we believe in it yeah. and we hope that others believe in it too. We get support and- And we've had fun doing it. We've had fun doing it. We've had, we've had stress doing it. It's, yeah, it's yeah. hard work. Um, and it still is hard work. It's it's not yeah. an easy business. It's a, it's a tough business, but it allows us to do other things. It allows me this opportunity to talk to you. Yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here now otherwise. You no. know, that's that's the truth. No, absolutely. Because of what because of what we've done, we've become, I think, part of a thing that feels. Good. I love being in a gang. I yeah. love the gang idea, and I think we're in gang one Yeah, we're part no, I, of it. I agree. Uh, best piece of advice for anybody listening? Okay, I'm going to steal this one from uh, one of my mates, Dave Fishwick. Never, ever, ever, ever give up. Perfect. Does that go along? It's a mad, mad, mad world. Uh, uh, sometimes I think those two can be seen together. Yeah, me okay, too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, and the last one I'm going to give you the chance for is a shameless plug. Um, do, shameless plug. That's hard. That's hard. Okay. Here's what I do. We make bankers of business view. We put on great events. I have um, an interest in the public relations business. We have amazing clients. I, I'd love to talk to you. I, I, I don't, I don't know. So when, when we get all this tweeted out and everything, all your yeah. details will be on there. So get in contact with Richard if you don't already know him. Everybody, thank you for listening. Please make sure you like and follow the podcast. And hopefully there'll be another one out next week. Lastly, Richard, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming in. Absolute pleasure. And I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Informal Meets Podcast with Oliver Burton. To 
Tune in next time for another episode. And please don't forget to subscribe.